Hinduism's paths to salvation as expressed in the Bhagavad Gita. Najayate Mriyateva Kada Bhagavad Gita, translated as the Song of God, is one of Hinduism's most cherished scriptures. In it, Lord Krishna, whom devout Hindus everywhere believe to be a savior of mankind and God incarnate, relates to the great warrior Arjuna, the meaning of existence and the ways to salvation. As a philosophical treatise, the Bhagavad Gita is a synthesis of Shamkya, Yoga, and the Vedantic philosophic systems. Concerning the area of religious practice, the Gita combines the methods or yogas of Jnana or knowledge, Karma or action, and Bhakti or devotion. The Gita, therefore, is a remarkable compendium of India's ancient religious sources. It is nonetheless remarkable, however, for its unique spiritual contribution not only to India's religious tradition, but to the world's spiritual heritage. The path of knowledge, or jnana, points to both a spiritual path and a spiritual goal. It is, on the one hand, the path or discipline, yoga, leading to the goal of self-realization. On the other hand, it is, in its perfected form, the goal itself. Perfect knowledge of the soul or self an awareness and realization of one's identity with Brahman or God is the goal not only of Yana Yoga but indeed of all the yogic paths. The Gita refers to this twofold function of Yana. Krishna, referring to Yana as the boat of knowledge, enabling all to cross over, indicates the efficacy of the discipline of Yana. For not like unto knowledge is any purifier found in this world. This the men perfected in discipline himself in time finds within himself. In the very next verse, Krishna points to Yana as the goal. The man of faith gets knowledge, intent solely upon it, restraining his senses. Having got knowledge to supreme peace, 
in no long time he goes Jnana was, of course, a teaching inherited from the Upanishads, India's ancient mystical scriptures, part of larger sacred writings called the Vedas. The link with the Vedic literature was therefore maintained. The Gita, however, differed from the Upanishads in that it provided a new and easier method of achieving truth, one that was accessible to all classes and types of men. Karma Yoga, or the path of action. Yada Yoga suffered from the fact that it was a rather exclusive path. It was not only for Brahmins, or the priestly class, it was for Brahmins who were capable of achieving the insights of disciplined meditation based on acute discrimination and renunciation. Karma Yoga, however, was available for all to participate in and involved the easier approach of remaining in the world of action, or karma. This path nonetheless proved to contain its own inherent difficulty, despite its universal appeal. For the key element involved in Karma Yoga is not what one does, but how one does it. Karma Yoga is action performed without attachment to the results. As Krishna states in the Gita, Fools attached to action as they act, son of Bharata, so the wise man should act but unattached, seeking to affect the control of the world. By acting without attachment, one is thereby freed from the results of karma, here meaning cause and effect. In essence, since the true self is beyond all cause and effect, the Atman actually performs no action at all. As Krishna put it, abandoning attachment to the fruits of action, constantly content, independent, even when he sets out upon action, he yet does, in effect, nothing whatsoever. Who then does the acting? The Gita's answer is based upon the teaching of the Shamkya philosophical school, which states that all activity is the outcome of the interaction of what are known as the gunas, or strands or constituents, within prakriti, or nature. Krishna states, Performed by material nature's strands are actions altogether. He whose soul is deluded by the eye faculty imagines I am the agent. But what then should a person do? Why should a person do any activity at all, since by deciding on an activity to perform, one is thereby usually intent on reaping the results of that activity? The answer is not to be found in inactivity, for Krishna clearly states that the path of action is necessary and valid. Therefore, unattached ever perform action that must be done. For performing action without attachment, 
man attains the highest. The question then becomes, just what is the activity that must be done? In answer to this, the Gita relies on traditional Vedic teaching, showing again its amazing synthetic quality. The activity should be in conformity with one's dharma. That is to say, one's class, or varna, determines the type, quality, and amount of activity which one is to perform. A person has the obligation to perform the duties of his particular class and no other. As the Gita puts it, better one's own duty, though imperfect, than another's duty well performed. Better death in doing one's own duty than another's duty brings danger. It follows from this last point that acts of ritual, sacrifice, and worship, far from being ignored, are actually encouraged by the Gita. As Krishna states, Actions of worship, gift, and austerity must not be abandoned, but rather performed. Worship, gift, and austerity are purifiers of the wise. However, Krishna again gives advice as to how this activity should be performed. However, these actions with abandonment of attachment and fruits must be performed. This, son of Prita, is my definite and highest judgment. This type of ritual activity also shows the Gita's clear link with the Vedas. Vedic ritual activity, also known as karman, retains a place within the teaching of the Gita. However, in addition to referring to the obvious outer sacrificial activity, the Gita, as we have seen, broadens the concept of karma to include the more essential interiorization of sacrifice, an idea received from the Upanishads. For the Gita, true sacrifice now involved not so much the outer ritualized activity, but the sacrifice of the fruits of action. The Vedas, moreover, were superfluous for one who had attained true self-knowledge. In Krishna's own words, as much profit as there is in a water tank, when on all sides there is a flood of water, no more is there in all the Vedas for a Brahman who truly understands. With the exposition of Yana and Karma Yoga, the Gita's synthesis of principal paths of salvation was still missing an important factor. Despite the seeming comprehensiveness and universality of these two paths, the former catering to the man of dispassion and insight and the latter to the man of activity, there was yet needed a path fitting the man of strong emotion who did not necessarily fit into these other categories. For this type, the Gita provided the path of Bhakti Yoga. Pratyavayo navidyate 
This path of devotion was especially for one oriented towards the emotional expression of religious theism. As Krishna states, But those who all actions casting on me, intent on me, with utterly unswerving discipline meditating on me, revere me. For them I am the Savior from the sea of the round of deaths. Become right soon, son of Prata, when they have made their thoughts enter into me. Granted, the emotional expression of bhakti found in the Gita is very limited compared to what was later to be found in the Hindu tradition. Indeed, the emotional fervor of bhakti is only implied in the Gita. Nevertheless, the Gita seems to recommend bhakti for those who find jnana and karma yoga difficult. Krishna counsels a leaf, a flower, a fruit, or water who represents to me with devotion. That offering of devotion I accept from the devout souled giver. However, the Gita's ideal prescription of bhakti is not all that simple. One cannot express devotion without activity, and these two should not be expressed without the proper insight and knowledge. Thus, the Gita presents to the aspirant a grand synthesis of all three paths. Whatever thou doest, whatever thou eatest, whatever thou offerest in oblation or givest, Whatever austerity thou performest, son of Kunti, that do as an offering to me. Thus, from what have good and evil fruits, thou shalt be freed, namely from the bonds of action. Thy soul disciplined in the discipline of renunciation, freed thou shalt go directly to me. In conclusion, for those who are capable of achieving the synthesis, the Gita counsels an all-inclusive path of disciplined renunciation based on the devoted offering of one's activity to Krishna. 
as Lord Krishna teaches, With thy thoughts all actions casting upon me, devoted to me, turning to discipline of mentality, keep thy mind ever fixed on me. Samatha Vachala Buddhista 